Yama, I'm your host Nari Pakai and welcome back to NITV Radio for this Friday, 15th December. Coming up on today's show, NITV Radio chats with Mandanara Bales, Managing Director and Co-Founder of Cultural Capability Training Organisation Black Card, the founder of Black Cast, Australia's first podcasting network owned and led by First Nations people and host of her very own podcast, Black Magic Woman who joins NITV Radio to chat about the recent launch of Blackcast and shares her knowledge and insights into everything business and podcasting. And we share a story from NITV news team from the Summer Yarn series. All these stories and more coming to you after the weekly news wrap-up on NITV Radio. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy the native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. The High Court has begun hearing a final appeal from Indigenous land custodians in Northern Territory who want to prosecute the federal government. The case could set an important precedent. The long-running legal battle centres on the damage caused during the construction of a walkway to the top of the pools of the iconic Gunlam Falls in Kakadu National Park. The walkway, built by Parks Australia, was built too close to a men's sacred site. Parks Australia successfully argued in the Northern Territory Supreme Court that, as a Commonwealth body, it was not bound by the Territory's sacred site laws. The Indigenous land custodians are appealing that. Valerie Martin is the Deputy Chair of the Aboriginal Areas Protection Authority, says the Commonwealth is trying to avoid accountability. Sacred sites are important for Aboriginal people and for all Australians. Commonwealth are saying they are above the law, but we say we must be accountable at all costs. Andrea Kelly has been appointed as Australia's first interim First Nations Aged Care Commissioner, following the recommendations made by the Royal Commission into Aged Care Quality and Safety. The Royal Commission recommended a statutory... First Nations Aged Care Commissioner to be appointed to ensure culturally safe, tailored and flexible aged care services for First Nations people. Ms Kelly is expected to commence the, the interim role in 2024, with the First Nations Aged Care Commissioner expected to be appointed in 2025. The missing fourth bark petition has now returned to Yakala, the place of its creation 60 years ago. The petitions were the first to be written in both Australian First Nations language and English and called for the consultation with Yongil clans over mining in the Gove Peninsula. The petitions were signed by nine men and three women Professor Claire Wright from La Trobe University told SBS News that the story of the Bark petitions are the story of Indigenous Australians attempting to protect their lands. 
So it's really a story about having a voice. Yongle weren't opposed to mining per se. What they were opposed to was the fact that their land could be encroached upon, that their laws were broken, that their parliament themselves here was disregarded. The final bark petition was finally tracked down in Derby in Western Australia's far north. Firefighters have rescued 18 people from a town in far north Queensland after Cyclone Jasper made landfall late Wednesday night. Tens of thousands of homes and businesses were left without power in heavy rain and damaging winds. Despite the cyclone weakening overnight, authorities are warning the incident isn't over yet. The season's first cyclone hit the coast near Wadjil Wadjil, near north of Cairns, with damaging winds of up to 115 kilometres per hour and as much as half a metre of water, leaving more than 43,000 houses and businesses without power. Assistant Commissioner of the Queensland Fire and Emergency Services, Brad Commons, says there were only minor incidences reported, but warned people to not get complacent. Overnight, the cyclone did cross the coast. That does not mean that this incident is over. We are going to have considerable amount of rain. Um, There will be considerable um, high-intensity rain, possibly high winds for some time to come. We've currently got um, our damage assessment teams out in the field, and since 6 o'clock this morning, we've conducted 236 damage assessments. Of that, the good news is that only 10 of those were minor and 8 were moderate, so not a great deal of damage. Activists have defaced an exhibit on the Treaty of Waitangi, a New Zealand national museum, to Papa. In the latest display of tension around the place of Māori after the election of a right-wing government. Police arrested a number of people following a coordinated protest at Wellington Waterfront Museum on Monday. The target was museum's displays explaining the Treaty of Waitangi, New Zealand's foundational document. One man abseiled inside the building using an angle grinder and spray paint to damage the display. Others held signs saying, tell the truth, in both English and te reo, the Māori language, and while another used a megaphone to critique the display. Millions of Australians are cutting back expenses and many will go without entirely as Christmas places pressures on already stretched household budgets. More than 5.3 million people will not be able to afford a Christmas meal this year and 30% of parents are worried their children would go without presents. Research by the Salvation Army has found. The survey of more than 2,000 people found that almost 60% felt more stressed this holiday season compared to 31.6% the same time last year. Almost in one in seven parents worried their children would go without a traditional Christmas Day meal, and more than 70% of people surveyed are more mindful about how they are spending. Brendan Noddle is the commanding officer at the Salvation Army. He says many people will rely on charitable support to get by this Christmas for the first time. 
Salvation Army conducted research recently and found that 62% of people this Christmas are saying they're really feeling financially stressed. And more than that, we're actually seeing that 48% of people that visited Salvation Army service this year have done so for the very first time. And that is NITV Radio's News Wrap of the Week. Welcome back. You're listening to NITV Radio. Still to come on the show, NITV Radio chats with Mandanara Bales, who joins NITV Radio to chat about the recent launch of Blackcast, Australia's first podcasting network owned and led by First Nations people, and shares her knowledge and insights into everything business and podcasting. But first, let's take a look at a story from NITV News Summer Series, inspiring culinary pioneer Norni Biro has spent years growing her island cuisine empire and running a bustling restaurant in the heart of the nation's food capital, Nam Melbourne. Her business is called Mabu Mabu, meaning help yourself in one of the languages of the Torres Strait. Now she's returning home where it all began, taking her big city dining experience back to her home island for the first time. Bringing a high-caliber, Nam-style culinary experience to a remote island is no mean feat. We basically probably took off our whole plane to bring up all of our produce from up in Melbourne to bring it up here so that you guys can have a little bit of flavour from from Melbourne as well and from the Mabu Mabu team. After years developing her Mabu Mabu restaurant in the heart of Melbourne, Norni flew her team back home to the Torres Strait Islands, laying on the full restaurant experience for the first time in Wyburn, Thursday Island. It's such an honour to be able to come back home and then really kind of bring what that skills that I've collected when I've been away from home. Norni won the hearts of her elders. I'm full, very satisfaction, my guy, beautiful, beautiful. It makes us proud for this region here in the Torres Strait. There are people, people like you and me, not only us, Australians. Big as all. Thank you, Noni Girl, and your crew. Big as Thank you very much. From the heart of the Torres Strait. Bringing it all back to where it all started. On Moen, you go out every morning and you catch fresh octopus and then you come back and you pickle it. So it was very fitting that in my career I I eventually started a condiment business called Maru Maru and then I grew from there. Showing the next generation what's possible. It's the next generation of those kids believing that they have something to um, hold on to when they get to their time of, you know, being the, the next generation of seeing what Torres Strait Islander people are going to be like for wow. the future. Breaking down borders and sharing culture. Kylie Willis, NITV News. Welcome back. I'm your host, Nari Pakai, and you're listening to NITV Radio. Next on NITV Radio, Luana Grant chats with Mandanara Bales. Managing Director and Co-Founder of Cultural Capability Training Organisation, Black Card, 
the founder of Black Cast, Australia's first podcasting network owned and led by First Nations people, and host of her very own podcast, Black Magic Woman, who joins NITV Radio to chat about the recent launch of Black Cast and shares her knowledge and insights into everything business and podcasting. Today I'm joined by Mandanara Bales and I'm so excited to have you on the show today. You are such a boss, such a powerhouse and I've looked up to you for such a long time for everything that you've been doing. So I'm really excited that you're joining me on the radio show today. Well, Luana, I must say that I never thought the day would come that you would be interviewing me. It's amazing, you know, the family you come from, it just makes sense that you're now doing what you do. So thank you so much for the invitation. Well, thank you for joining me. I know you're super busy, um, but I really appreciate it. But I just wanted to start by saying you've had such a big year. You were named Supply Nations Indigenous Businesswoman of the Year. You host your own podcast, Black Magic Woman. You've also just recently launched Blackcast, Australia's first podcasting network owned and led by First Nations people. And you're the co-founder of Black Card, um, which celebrated its 10-year anniversary this year. You've, you've just doing everything, such incredible work. How has this year been for you, just reflecting back? Do you know what? It would have topped it off if I would have bloody got my assignments in. I would have graduated from Monash Business School with my Masters in Indigenous Business Leadership. So, look, I must say I'm pretty... You know, I'm pretty you know, happy with what I've achieved in the last 10 years in being in business. And this year in particular, celebrating our 10th birthday, I also turned 40. Oh, wow. And happy birthday. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And, yeah, I, I guess launching the podcast network. Oh, and I heart signed my podcast which is the first Indigenous podcast on the iHeart Network. So there you go. That topped it off. Yes, that's right, with Black Magic Woman. I was going to touch on that a bit later as well. But I just also wanted to say congratulations on the launch of Blackcast, um, which I just mentioned before. You did launch a couple of weeks ago. Where did this idea first come from to create Blackcast? And has it always been a dream of yours to launch a network like this? To be honest with you, I had no idea that I was going to come full circle I started off in radio and I can remember from at least maybe the age of four being at Radio Redfern in Cope Street. Um, I've got pictures of me in the radio station. I remember it vividly. And then when I was about 17, 18, I went back into radio in a position um, in in the radio training school or AAA training. So to, to be a trainer, to work in an RTO to support other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people get their Cert 3 and 4 in media and now to come back with a podcast and launch a network it's like kind of it looks like over my whole career it's like that I don't know there was like a plan that I didn't really know existed so no I didn't have a plan I never thought I'd be in media and I guess I never thought that I would launch my own network the reason why I launched the network is when iHeartRadio, um, you know, kind of rang me and said, we're interested in your podcast. We don't have any First Nations podcaster, podcasters on our network. I was working with Indigenous Business Australia and a team called The Difference Incubator. 
and we're actually right in the middle of doing a business model for Black Magic Women. So what does a business model look like for a podcaster? And whilst we're on the subject, I started to explore a business model for a network. So it's crazy that I was in the middle of this kind of, you know, exploration phase of what a network would look like. Is it, you know, sustainable? Can you commercialize a network? Um, who's our clients? What would our value proposition be? I was doing all that work. Mm. And then I heart ring me. It's like all meant to be. It. It's, it's definitely all meant to be. And can you talk to us about some of the shows that are featured on the Blackcast Network? Definitely. You would find there's different genres. So you've got your true crime podcast, which is Amy McGuire and Martin Hodginson, and they have got Kurt in the podcast. And I think it's so important that we have um, like podcasts like Curtin because they're focusing now on missing and murdered Aboriginal women and girls. And the first, uh, the first season of Curtin was kind of gathering evidence to support a innocent Aboriginal man who was wrongfully convicted and served 20 years in prison in Queensland. Oh, wow. Over, wow. The, over the murder of an Aboriginal woman mm. in Rockhampton. Um, so Amy Maguire, one of the best journalists in this country, was the first person I reached out to and said, sis, would this opportunity, you know, be, be of interest to you? And she was like, are you serious? <laughs> this is happening, a black network? So when I, the, you know, the, the excitement in Amy's response gave me this feeling that I knew that I was onto something good. Her response was to that initial phone call. The second uh, podcast I reached out to was Coming Out Black, and I love the work that Courtney Fuquandi and Matika Little are doing around supporting First Nations queer LGBTQI plus communities and sharing their experiences, um, you know, their lives, what they do, coming out to their families and, and, and what that was like so that we can inspire, support um, more mob um, that still haven't had those conversations or they're not ready yet, hopefully, you know, listening to their podcast will support our mob that are struggling or, or facing some challenges, as you could imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, another amazing sister girl, Caroline Kell, yarning up. Caroline um, is a Murray woman but lives in Nam, and her podcast I first heard on Virgin. Oh, wow. part of Virgin yeah. in-flight entertainment. So for all you listeners out there, you've got to make sure when you get on your next flight, if it's a Virgin flight, Check out some of our mob that are on there. Um, who else did we launch? Obviously, Black Magic Woman. We relaunched Unapologetically Black Luana, this podcast. It's like, this is what I look forward to. Like, <laughs> I can't wait for you fellas to hear every fortnight we're dropping an episode. Will Trulin on Instagram is the queer EO, not she EO, the queer EO. Mm-hmm. And myself with Ginny Jones, and most people know Ginny from Ginny's Girl Gang. Yeah. So unapologetically black, we've relaunched it. And meet the mob. Crystal Kinsella, one of the deadliest black. Oh, she's amazing. Yes. Now she's got the YouTube channel that we've converted into a podcast. So there's so many talented black followers out there 
that have a podcast. I was speaking to um, Bernard Namok and Carly Wallace. They've got talking disabilities. Yes, yeah. I'm yarning with the Healing Foundation and their youth reference group have got Yarning Our Way and they're about to launch season two. Um, there's a leadership podcast, um, The Uncharted Leader with Kylie Stone that I'm in talks with for signing in 2024. And Jane Yedica, she's also on Virgin. I cannot wait. Like, we have just gotten started. We're two weeks in from launching the network in partnership with iHeartRadio. Now, we're talking about the biggest podcasting publisher in the world that is now behind a black-owned and led podcast network. But just remember, in America, there's a black effect. And the black effect is a partnership with iHeart. They launched in 2020. And Charlemagne the God, who is a podcaster, also rapper, over three years, there's been over 800 million downloads on that Black American podcast network. That's incredible. So, I know. That's, that's the opportunity, right, for mm. us in this country to, to, to be in podcasting or to be in media is that there's no boundaries. We can take our stories um, and our successes, our challenges, we can take it to a global audience, and that's what ex- that, that, that's exciting for me. Mm, and it's definitely moving. Like podcast is the thing now. Like everyone's doing it, and it's a way of you know telling our stories and you know sharing our experiences and educating people as well. And you did mention a few of the shows that you're looking at, um, you know, and expanding on the shows that you've currently got. What about for people out there that are thinking about you know they've got a podcast idea? and they want to pitch it, how do they do that? Oh, you are amazing. You just reminded me that we are searching for Australia's next best podcaster. So jump online to findandtell.com.au. You've got till January the 7th to enter the competition. We are looking for four people. We're going to fly them to Sydney, all expenses paid, hook them up with some podcasting gear, give them two days training in Sydney. Then we're going to give them um, some cash with their own producer, send them off to go and start telling some amazing stories that we haven't heard yet. So Find and Tell will be hosted by um, Jamila Rizvi, one of my really good friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamila is a podcaster, an author, she, you know, has a big following. I love when I see her, like, on, on the project. Um, she's, she's just a, a boss, a boss woman. So Jamila's coming over to Blackcast to host Find and Tell, which will literally kick off in around um, maybe midway. We're looking at launching that, that kind of series in May or maybe National Reconciliation Week. Get, and other than that, you can still jump on to... Our website, Blackcast, B-L-A-K, because it's all about our people and not the colour black. So if you get onto blackcast.com.au, just jump on that inquiry kind of contact us page and let us know if you've got a podcast. We want to hear from you. This network is about amplifying black people of colour and minority voices across Australia. I would love to hear from anybody um, that's got an idea or that's already out there. We've got an amazing um, little team. Uh, We've got an in-house producer. We've got someone now going out 
and and doing like the sales for the network because if we don't engage, you know, with some, you know, like SBS or ComBank or Google, like we need big partners to support our podcasters. That's the only way that it can come a commercially viable business mm. is having those big partnerships with some big brands. So if anyone's interested in you know, advertising, marketing, doing any brand partnerships, we would love to hear from you as well. Perfect. And I actually will be getting on there because I've got a really great idea. There's a couple of girls here that um, at NITV and we were sitting down the other week and we were just having like girl yarns, you know, and then we were like, oh my gosh, this would be an awesome podcast. Um, oh, but I, I love this. When, when our mob just sit around as we do yarning with our sister girls or our aunties or even our kids, do you know what I, I reckon would be a deadly podcast? is having conversations with our nieces and nephews or our kids. Some of the yarns that a, that a seven-year-old spins, right, and how they tell a story. You know, I think with blackfellas, especially with our humour, our sense of humour, mm. um, would get everyone in stitches. But there is actually a lack of, like, children-related podcasts. So if anyone's out there that loves reading, like, children's books or kind of cartoon style podcast even thinking about youtube now you know everybody's on youtube mm, and kids and are on it too that's where their their attention's exactly, at yeah there's, there's a gap there for that kind of you know cartoon children's book um and even around climate change like, like our mob uh are out there fighting you know on the front line in protecting country i i would love to hear from anybody working in community that are on the front line, um, climate change is important and, and these discussions are important. And I think from a First Nations perspective, um, we need to get those kind of conversations and views out to the, the, the broader communities that we live in. And that was the first part of Luana's interview with Mandanara. Welcome back. You're listening to NITV Radio. Next up, we continue with part two of NITV Radio's interview with Mandanara Bales. Another question I did want to ask you was you host your own podcast, Black Magic Woman, and you've interviewed some incredible people from all different walks of life. Who have been some of your standouts or someone that you've interviewed that really inspired you and you were like, wow, like, I'm interviewing them. They're on my podcast and they've inspired you. Oh, my goodness, sis. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't even answer that. Do you know what? I'm inspired after every single yarn from the first episode with Uncle Mick Gooder. Then I had a yarn with Annie June Oscar at the Human Rights Commission, you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commissioner, and the first female in that position. Um, my yarn with your father at, you know, our, our Black Heart 10th birthday celebration in front of a live audience, that was special um, because I used to listen to your dad talk to my dad. I used to listen to my dad interview your dad on, on his talk show on 98.9 FM. Do you know, in terms of... One one yarn where I kind of had to hold back tears was, I think he was like three-time world champion Australian boxer, Billy Dibb. 
uh, a Lebanese man from Western Sydney. He his story. I had to try not to cry. Uh, he lost his wife to cancer. He then got cancer, and he, oh man, oh wow. I just there was a lot of trauma, but there was a lot of success and challenges, and and how he got back up, and now how he's out there in, in schools and supporting young people to be resilient and to kind of you know. Not not stand up for themselves, but you know, bullying and stuff like that. Mm. Um, talking about suicide prevention, um, self care, like you know, and and you know, just telling young boys that it's okay to cry, you know, and and that message going out to young men as well that it's okay to cry and let those emotions out. Like he touched on so many different things in like half an hour, sis, um, that I wasn't expecting, and I think. That's the most amazing thing um, on the podcast is that I try not to do m- much research on my guests, which is interesting for like most journalists will in they'll do all their research and find out everything, read this, watch that. I do the opposite. I read everything after the interview. Everything they tell me comes as a complete surprise. Like I literally find out at the same time that the listener or viewer is hearing or seeing it for the first time. Mm. So my expressions and my reactions are actually authentic. They're genuine. It's real. Yeah. Um, instead of making out that I didn't know because, you know, I've done all this research. So I think that's, I don't know whether it's a tactic or a strategy, but I organically kicked off the podcast with finding out who people were rather than what they did. So I wasn't interested in reading bios. Yeah. I wanted them to tell their story through their own their eyes, you know, and and through their words. Mm, And I think that also makes it so powerful to listen to as well because, you know, you're letting them tell their story and you're uncovering and finding things out about them and things that are personal to them as well, they probably feel that they can open up a little bit more because they're allowing themselves to, like, let it out, if you know what I mean, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. That, That makes complete sense. A lot of people that have been on the podcast say afterwards, I can't believe how comfortable I felt considering I was super nervous Mm. (laughs) before the interview. And I keep saying to people, it's not an interview. You know, there's no set questions. It might seem, you know, kind of polished because of the amazing production by um, my producer, Clint Curtis, but there's no set questions. I want it to be a conversation. I want it to feel... Like you're sitting around the kitchen table having that yarn with us. And I think that's one thing you've got to learn, right? And and I used to be a, a radio trainer, is just learning, you know, when to say something and, and to listen to people's story and then come back with something after they've shared something. Let the yarn take its natural course. And it's actually really funny because I was going to – ask this question and it just genuinely came up because <laughs> I was going to say what's your advice to anyone out there that's I thinking love- about getting into podcasting or yeah. interviewing um, and you obviously touched on it but is there anything else um, any other advice that you can give from all your experience yeah. just a just to people that are out there that are thinking about getting into podcasting maybe don't know where to start um, yeah any advice that you've got definitely you know your, your, the name of the podcast is the first thing that I would say to people, don't rush into the name. 
you really need to think it out properly and talk to people about it. Hey, send an email to me. Jump on the website and flick an email and just say, can you give us some support, please? You'll, you'll find that we'll get back to you within 24 hours. Or get onto our Instagram and ask, DM us, and we'll be, you know, we'll be there straight away. I, w- I want to say this really quickly that if you're going to have a podcast, um, make sure that, that the title, you spell it out properly because you want people to be able to search for you easily. There are like, I don't know how many million, I think there's five million podcasters in the world. Five million podcasters in the world. But a hundred thousand of those podcasters, a hundred thousand have just over 1,000 downloads. So mm. it's a very small group of podcasters that are actually able to kind of, you know, take off in terms of that commercial. Can you monetize a podcast? You need to grow it. You need to have those downloads, the followers on Instagram and all of that stuff. So if people can't find you, they're never going to be able to listen to you because they can't find you. Yeah. So if you're going to write, you love it, write it with Y-O-U, not a U. And spell L-O-V-E, not L-U-V. So I've seen a podcast with the title, You Love It, and that was the first kind of bit of um, advice is that no one's going to find this podcast. Hmm. That's the first thing. The title of your podcast, make sure that people can easily find you amongst 6 million other podcasters in the world. And the cover art of your podcast, it's a small little tile, usually on an iPhone or a smartphone. So you've got to be really clever with your graphic design work and you need to talk to a graphic designer that probably knows about podcasting art cover. Again, if you're not too sure, send us a message. And then the quality, the sound of your podcast. It needs to be radio quality. For anyone to pick it up, like our network, it needs to sound really good. So make sure you've got some kind of decent recording gear. Again, you can reach out to us and say, what would we suggest? Rode one of the biggest podcasting kind of, you know, recording equipment. We I started off with Rode. Um, but yeah, recording gear... Not everyone, you know, is fortunate enough to have a producer. So just if it sounds good, it's got a good name and it looks good, there's the three things that's going to support you in growing a successful podcast. Great advice for anyone out there that's listening because, yeah, as I said, podcasting is growing and everyone is wanting to tell their story. But, yeah, a lot of people sometimes don't know where to start. Um, And I actually did want to ask you this question that I asked mum last week when I interviewed her after she won the Walkley Award. I asked her this question and it's a question I really wanted to ask you because I feel like as women we wear so many different hats, you know, especially as First Nations women, you know, we're matriarchs, we care for everyone, work, run businesses, raise families, you know, pretty much do it all. And, you know, we're so often told, you know, you can't do it all or you can't have it all. But you yourself are a mother, you know, you have a beautiful family, you wear so many different hats with your businesses that you're running. How do you do it all and how do you juggle everything and all the different hats that you wear? Yeah, well, look, first and foremost, I want to take the opportunity to say congratulations, Carla, um, your deadly mum winning a Walkley. You know, there's not many opportunities for us as younger Aboriginal women 
to see people like your mum, you know, up there on a stage um, and being recognised in, in, in a mainstream media industry that's dominated by mainly non-Aboriginal people. Yeah. Um, so, look, big congratulations to your mum. She's definitely a huge inspiration to a lot of First Nations people and, and women, but people in this country. Um, they all know who she is. Yeah, big, big congrats. But look, I guess having a supportive husband, I, you know, grew up in a household and saw my mum and dad work as a really good team. Mm. And, you know, out of eight of my sisters, four of my sisters are single mums. And it's something that I was very conscious of at a young age. I never wanted to be a single mum. And I actually didn't want to be a mum. Like, I just thought there were so many of my nieces and nephews that I could look after and help my sisters raise them that I never thought I'd be a mum, Luana, which, you know, now I love the fact that I've got my own family. So having my husband, Peace, do all of the, you know, cooking, cleaning, driving, packing lunches, I'm so lucky that I can get on a, a call and do meetings and not even worry that my kids are waiting to be fed or they're waiting for their lunches or they're waiting for their hair to be brushed. My husband's all over it, but also the, the older kids in the house, how they step up because in our families, in Aboriginal culture, you know, little people are taking on those responsibilities from a young age. Yeah. And for non-Aboriginal people, you might see that as a negative, but in our culture, it's a positive. How we raise our kids, you know, they're much more mature, much more advanced, and they help out. Um, and I, like I said, I absolutely, I love that about our culture, uh, how our kids just naturally grow into young adults. So you know, little little young girls grow into young women. They, you know, they're carrying babies on their hips, and they they just they've just learnt to walk themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, in terms of having family, my kids understand what I do, and for them to support me as well. You know, that gives me, you know, a, a bit of ease uh, or peace of mind um, knowing that I, I can commit, I can travel, I can be everywhere at once. But, yeah, it's taken a while for, for my husband and the kids to really understand what I do and, and why I'm never home. But also my broader team, like in terms of the staff that I've employed at Blackheart, having the best people around me, that I can also delegate and train up and, and, you know, have other deadly black businesses as well that I can bring in to support me to take on bigger projects so that we can be, you know, delivering training and doing consulting and doing walking tours and recording podcasts. So it's the people around you. It's, it's, and, and I want to acknowledge that, that it might look like, you know, I'm a, I'm a successful businesswoman, but I could tell you now there's an army behind me that support everything that I do. And there's a community that I'm part of in Brisbane and Sydney on the sunny coast who also support what I do, which makes my life easy. Yeah, as you mentioned, family is everything. And that's something that my mum, when I asked her that question, she just said, you know, family support and I guess like you know, how you mentioned, you know, being like, I'm the oldest. And so I was always looking after my my little brothers because my mum and dad were always so busy working. So it's like, you know, helping around the house and being that other mother figure to my younger yeah. siblings. And I know so you, that 
that's helped, you know, my fam or my mum and dad to be able to do what they've done because I was able to help them. So hopefully when I start to have a family one day, <laughs> I, um, I'll have that same support as well because I think it's really important and family, yeah, is just everything. I, I know, sis, it will come natural for you and it came natural for me now with my kids. Um, we don't even realise it in terms of the fact that we're living our culture every day. Mm. You know, people might say, oh, you don't really see Aboriginal culture in the city. And I'm like, well, hold a minute. Every Aboriginal person you walk past, they're living their culture. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, you know, the fact that we're still here, we're living our culture every single day and that our kids are able to also see us, you know, participating in business, going out there and, and you know, mixing it with, you know, some of the, the big names in this country. I, I think it's so important that they hear our stories as well and the opportunities for us to even have this yarn. Um, I hope other mob that are out there that might be thinking of going into business, you know, if anything, this is self-determination in action. And we need to be in control of our own affairs. We need to be in the front seat. You know, there's no more being invited to other people's tables. We need to invite, you know, non-Aboriginal people to come sit at our table and start taking control of our own affairs. And that's what I'm passionate about is I want more of our mob to see business and entrepreneurship as a way out of poverty. Mm. It's a way that we can start to really... Um, break the cycle of intergenerational trauma, intergenerational poverty, and start building intergenerational wealth. So if there's anyone out there that's ever thought of um, getting into business, I've got this amazing partnership with Indigenous Business Australia, and I'm able to kind of, you know, yarn with a lot of their customers that are blackfellas that have accessed their programs or business support packages and they're inspiring. Like every time I was yarning to one of the IBA um, guests, I just kept thinking to myself, you know, we would never have known that someone that was in jail met Twiggy Forrest, got out of jail in WA, went and worked then in the mines, and now bought their second house. And this is a young black fella that was in jail once upon a time, now has two houses. Mm. And he's actually showing his grandkids you know, what intergenerational wealth looks like, what black excellence looks like. So don't ever think that we can't achieve it. Don't ever listen to people that say that we can never do this or we'll never be good enough. Um, we're standing on the shoulders of our ancestors, right? We're, it's because of them that we're now in these positions and taking up spaces that they would never have even imagined. So, yeah, I'm passionate about black businesses, passionate about us, um, you know, practicing self-determination and just being role models for the younger generation and letting them know what's possible. Hard work, you know, lots of sacrifices. Nothing's going to come easy. As black fellas, we know that. Everything we've got, we've had to work hard for. My mum always said, and I've heard a lot of black fellas say this, that, as a black fella, you need to be 10 times better. Yeah, dad says that work. all the time. Yes. My yeah. mum used to say it as well. You need to work 10 times harder, be 10 times better. And I, 
It's unfortunate, but now you mm. know what? I'm saying that to my kids. Dad always said that to me, and even when he does speeches, I heard him do a keynote the other day, and he said, you know, when I first started, I had to be better. I had to get in earlier. I had to read more. I had to work harder just to, you know, get get further. But he's, But that advice has always stuck with him, and that's why my brothers and I, we kind of have that work ethic built in us because yeah. we've seen him do that and we've seen mum do that and you know even for you other people looking at you and watching you and what you're doing and you know just even from this conversation you've inspired me just to like I feel like I can walk out of this room now and I've just got a lot more passion so yeah, yeah. I just want to thank you so 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 much for having this chat with me and I, I feel like we could talk for like another hour <laughs> well, anytime you've got my number sister I'm always available and, you know, I truly mean it to all you mob that are listening to this yarn. Pick up the phone or get on social media, get on our website, send a message through. I promise you, you'll get a response back literally within 48 hours. Um, There's so much opportunity for us and I just can't wait for 2024. It's it's so exciting. I know and I hope that you have a really beautiful Christmas and New Year with your amazing, beautiful family and take a much um, needed break because you've just been flat out this year and I can't wait to see what next year brings for you. And um, I just want to thank you again so, so, so much. I appreciate you coming on and having a chat to me. And yeah, I hope that we can talk again next year about other amazing things that you're working on. Oh, sis, anytime. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, big shout out to your amazing father and also your pop taking home another award. I know. And all of the work, like your family is incredible and a lot of us know, you know, who your family are and what they've contributed to this country, but it's mainstream Australians, right? How do we get them to see what we're doing and, and for them to have a, a much more deeper appreciation and respect for our people and and the work that we do to make this country a better country. So thank you to you and your family also for everything that you fellas do. Yeah, thank you. And also you are carrying on such an amazing legacy of your father. So I feel like through both of us, you know, we're carrying on these amazing legacies and I'm so proud to be doing that and I know that you are too through everything that you're doing. So, yeah, I just want to thank you as well and thank you so much again for coming on the show today. Uh, anytime my sister enjoy your Christmas your time off as well and I look forward to seeing you in the new year so that we can catch up enjoy the rest of the week and that's all we have time for today's program on NITV radio